I think that in a perfect world, we would actually learn how to have pleasurable sex in high school. It sounds crazy. And people listening probably sounds crazy, but isn't that better than, you know, just saying, okay, you can just go watch porn at home and try to figure it out. This is Frisky North of 60. We bring you stories about love and dating in the North. I'm Karen McCall. And I'm Mark Kelly. We're coming to you from Whitehorse, Yukon, where dating and looking for love can be long and lonely, just like our winters. Or hot and steamy, just like that tropical vacation you never got to take. Mark, today we're welcoming someone who's a bit younger than our usual demographic. Yeah, yeah, we are. Angus is uh, 21, I think. And I'm hoping to learn some new lingo. Yeah, I don't want to have to use the uh, Urban Dictionary anymore. I want Angus to teach teach me. <laughs> so welcome, Angus. Thanks for contacting us. Maybe you can just tell us a couple things about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hopefully I can provide the Angus Dictionary instead of the Urban Dictionary <laughs> with some lingo, you know, my generation. I'm 21, as, as you said earlier. My name is Angus. Uh, yeah, I've born and raised Yukoner. Love the outdoors, love playing sports. Yukon's a perfect place for me. <laughs> Except for you're wearing a drifter surfer, Driftwood Surfer t-shirt today, which means I'm... Are we missing something? Is it nice outside? Uh, for me, it's always nice outside. It's, it's a state of mind. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Angus, you contacted Frisky uh, some time ago, uh, interested in coming on to the show. Can you just uh, tell us why you wanted to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a podcast junkie, listen to them all the time. And when I saw there was a podcast, you know, it's something I'm interested in, you know, sex and dating and culture around that. Uh, I thought it was a perfect idea. Uh, so here I am, and that's why I'm here. You mentioned uh, you were interested in talking about sex positivity, which I always have to look up the definition of that because I know roughly what it means. But it basically means a positive outlook about yeah. sexual activity, consensual sexual activity, sexual identity, that sort of thing. Uh, what, what does sex positivity mean to you? Yeah, well, I think it's the outlook looking towards other people, but it's also towards yourself. You know, I think that if you can't have sex positivity towards what you're doing with your sex life, then you're never going to be able to have an outlook positively towards other people. And, you know, those feelings of shame and guilt towards sex are not going to be in kind of that sex positive realm. So I think that it's that opinion of other people, the non-judgment towards how other people act and their identity, and also the non-judgment to yourself, which is of the utmost importance. So what has your experience been, uh, I guess, with sex positivity or perhaps lack thereof uh, growing up here in the Yukon? Yeah, I think the Yukon being a small place, you get, you know, the people all constantly looking at other people's sex life and talking about it and judging it. So that's one thing where the sex positivity isn't there. And then, you know, I think a big problem in Canada, the world probably, is the education towards it, as I talked about, uh, which is, yeah, it's not really the sex positive realm. It's very much like sex is for two people who are in love and and uh, not accepting that sex can be done for fun or can be done just because you want to. There's no, there's many reasons why we have sex. Well, I think that growing up, it's we have sex, you know, to procreate or which I think is not realistic. Yeah, or to have our to, with our partner, our primary partner or whatever, yeah. like as a way of coupling. Mm-hmm. I guess what was your first exposure to kind of feeling like there was this judgment around sex for pleasure or sex for reasons other than procreation? 
Uh, I guess in high school, you see a lot of that towards women, especially, you know, it's, oh, she's a slut or she's sleeping with that person. And also that person, or she slept with two people and, or she, whatever. It's always this idea of, it's mostly men, this like patriarchal view of, of women, uh, judging women on how they act, even though it's their body. And like, if they enjoy that, you know, would you ever tell someone, oh, stop playing basketball? You know, if they enjoy playing basketball, why would you do that? It makes no sense. So that's kind of one of those things that's... I remember in high school, that that conversation around being uh, women or girls being a slut because they slept with lots of people, but men, boys, sleeping with lots of people was seen as a positive thing. Is that something you're referring to? Oh, definitely. You see like the macho male look, uh, view, a man who sleeps with a lot of women, and then the other way around, it's, you know, slut, promiscuous, and it's a bad thing, right? And that's right. one thing where... And then a woman who wants to break that mold and do that because she enjoys doing that, it's it's a negative thing. And she has to like go through all these barriers of judgment to get there, which is definitely not a good thing. So that's still alive and well. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, yes. What do you think could be changed to change that? Like, is it part of the education system or is it just part of mass culture? You know, if we're, we're not taught really how to have sex or about sex growing up and then, you know, where do we turn? porn and in porn how are women treated in porn you know it's like objects and and if that's how you're getting your information how do you think that men are gonna you know think about women in the sexual realm it's always going to be that kind of like these objects of, of pleasure rather than like someone who you're like a symphony to have pleasure together which is the reality you uh in our chat earlier you had this amazing quote about video games oh the quote about video games yes i think that like sex when you're younger is like playing a video game without having read the rule book. It's like you have this remote and you're just jamming the buttons trying to figure out which button does which thing, right? And if we were able to get that rule book or the guidebook of, of uh, sex rather than going on porn, which is like, you know, it's like you have the uh, guidebook in a different language. It's like you're trying to learn how to play, you know, Mario Kart, but you're trying to learn in Chinese and you don't speak Chinese, right? right it's totally right, the right. wrong, it's the wrong guidebook. That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm gonna say it feels like um that question has been around for a while like how do we learn this i mean we have been making babies and having sex since since humans were evolved from squids where did we come from whatever we came from monkeys uh we've been doing this a long time yet we still have no way of really learning it formally so i i mean it's been it's been a minute since i was in high school What, what what what's happening in high school for for sex education yeah, well, I think we don't really get out of that idea of sex being awkward, sometimes ever, but definitely until we're out of high school. And then, you know, the sex ed, they treat it too as something that's awkward. And I think that in a perfect world, we would actually learn how to have pleasurable sex in high school. It sounds crazy. And to people listening probably sounds crazy. But isn't that better than, you know, just saying, oh, okay, you can just go watch porn at home and f- try to figure it out. And like, well, just unpack that for a second. So when you say learn how to have pleasurable sex in high school, what do you mean? Well, I guess one thing would be to actually tell men, for example, about the clitoris or like whatever, like Hell part of the yeah. body, you know? It's not just north of Regina? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's not this, like, it's not uh, Olympus or whatever. It's not, uh, what's the place under the sea? Uh, oh, oh, not Atlantis. Not, Atlantis, yeah. there you go. It's not, it's not Atlantis. Like, it's a thing that you can actually, the G-spot, for example, it's something that can actually be stimulated. And then knowing that, you can actually use that and have more pleasurable sex rather than just like, you know, as I said earlier, 
sex ed in high school is here's like a banana, here's a condom, learn how to put that on. I had a friend who worked in um, in an overseas location for a while, and that was the sex education she was doing there. And what they discovered after they put the condoms on the bananas is that was what the men would do. They put a condom on the banana and then put it on the nightstand as if it was like a talisman, right? Like it doesn't make sense, right? Like the metaphor was lost, of course, in translation. I don't know. Most men don't look like bananas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you ever push the envelope in high school? Like, I remember when I had did sex ed in school, like, there was, like, a question box. Did you ever get to, like, ask questions and have them answered that had to do with pleasure? Well, I think in high school, I didn't have the same point of view. Uh, and also, the question box... Because you didn't have the manual. <laughs> exactly. I didn't have the manual. People often, you know, the question box is a joke. And, and that idea of sex being just funny and, like, awkward was never really tackled in high school. It was always just... And as I said to you earlier... The first time I had sex, uh, the putting the condom was not that difficult. You know, the other things after that were definitely more on my mind and more worrisome than, oh, how do I do this? You know, this it, that was not that difficult. Yeah, it's we get training for a lot of things in life, but there's assumption this assumption that like we all just will know how to have sex or how to have sex well, or or we just don't talk about it, so we yeah, don't really it's know. Still, I think it's still very based in the um, Puritan way of looking at sex. Right, that that we do this for babies, and that's it. And we don't talk about it. It's private, or secret, or both. Yeah, and that's and that's problematic. Like this is what you're shining a light on. So, what's your been your I guess experience with porn? Like, how, did you start using it, and then were you kind of like, oh, actually, I don't really like what this is portraying? No, I would say like from the time I started using it until you know a few years ago, it would just be like this feels good because it's it's totally it's it's science it's dopamine and it's this incredible stimulation in your brain that obviously it's going to be enjoyable and addictive but then once you realize like you know my sexual experiences aren't as good because of this and you know a lot of the time performance issues are based in that because you get into the real thing and realize oh this isn't you know what i thought i signed up for even though of course it is this is like what we've been doing for years but porn is the is the x factor that's changing everything that's changing your brain and I've, I've realized since not really watching it for a long time, because I realized, you know, misogynistic, not good for your brain. You do actually start to enjoy sex more because your brain gets rewired to like kind of the dopamine and the serotonin, whatever the uh, neurotransmitters are actually like firing properly. Did you have an epiphany moment when you're sort of just realized like, oh, this is not like with porn or, or just with your own... Um uh, sexual experiences that you kind of realize like, oh, like there's something, there's like a disconnect here between what we're seeing and sort of the reality. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think like, you know, I watched porn for a few years before I ever had sex and you have no idea. You think, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what's going to be like. And then once you start having sex, you realize, no, it's not. And then you start to question it and you start to look into that more deeply for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's not documentary, right? Like porn is fantasy. Porn is like a movie. It is not documentary. And we think people look at it and think, well, this is not a performance. This is actually intimacy. What is what it looks like, but it is not what intimacy looks like. Um, we don't have the lights on that bright. <laughs> like, I, I, I had a friend once say to me, you know the difference between porn and erotica? Lighting. <laughs> <laughs> but, Maybe a few more things. Yeah, a few more things. But, like, but the point is, is that what you're saying is that the that the porn's never been more accessible. Porn is now ubiquitous with youth. In my high school years, it was a stack of magazines tucked away somewhere that was secret. And now, with the internet being everywhere, 
porn is easily accessible. It is uh, youth can access it um, much more simply than ever before. Yeah. And so now it doesn't make it makes perfect sense what you're saying that uh, even the fact that you said when I used porn, not when I viewed porn. Yeah. Right? Like as if it's a tool or right? a drug or a drug. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good distinct good distinctions. And I think a big problem with it too is that it's hitting you in all like three senses, right? It's your, you know, a magazine, you're seeing it, right? But with porn, you're seeing it, you're hearing it, you know, it's, it's moving. Like there's, it's so many different senses that are, are being triggered that it's, it is too much for just like, you know, getting off. That's, that's not, you don't need that. It just ends up being that like, yeah, as I said before, your, your brain is not, does not need that and shouldn't have it really. Do you have these conversations with your friends about um, porn and sort of the unhealthy aspects of it? Definitely, yeah. My friends are pretty new word woke. They're pretty woke in the, in those uh, in those ways, and yeah, definitely. They, we we agree, and we've kind of together been like, yeah, we should stop doing this. It's not healthy. It's not good for us. It's, it doesn't make you feel good. I don't think anyone watches porn and is like, oh, that was just great. My day is going to be wonderful after that. No one does that. Do you, do you talk about it across gender? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, not not so much. I'd say maybe not at all. I think that there's also a view of men that women don't watch porn, right? That's a view that a lot of men have, that it's a thing that men do. And But it, the reality is that women do it too. Women watch porn or use porn, as I said. Yeah, as you said yeah. And there is some like feminist porn and there is some more like, uh, I don't know, quote unquote, healthier porn, I suppose. Yeah, it's true. I I do um, wonder about this uh, ability to see it at any point in time, anywhere on any device, and what what that does for folks growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're you're starting to t- you touched on it quite a bit, and I think it's important. It's a really important point. Not that we we are necessarily anti-porn, uh, but the misogyny, as you mentioned, and the and the um, the fantasy side of it. Uh, people are looking at it as a way of learning, and it's not a great way to learn. This is sort of a sidebar, but um, I always heard about Pornhub and didn't realize that it was it's all like crowdsourced porn. Mm-hmm. There was a big reveal article in like mm-hmm. the New York Times last year or something that it's like, oh my God, like these are like a lot of like incestual or like human trafficked videos that are like here for mass consumption and just like completely people exploited and these videos are online and they're irretrievable and there's a, yeah, a lot of problems with uh, especially unregulated porn. World's largest porn site based in Canada. Oh, it is. A Canadian company. Oh. Is it still around? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, going back to your, your high school experience and, and sex ed and stuff, was porn something that was brought up uh, in class? Uh, never, not ever. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. That, that doesn't surprise me. Not at all, actually. Yeah. No, I think it's a hot button topic uh, for for teachers. It's an awkward situation, but I also think that parent parent groups have a well. That yeah, I think there's a lot of forces beyond their control, right. like dictating what they're allowed to teach. Yeah, it, it airs towards the lowest common denominator, right? The smoothest path, and I I think we might be talking about something that people would find very controversial in the schools. But we don't have to look just to the university or the high schools for those ways of learning, right? There, You've got some ideas around how to learn about sex that don't necessarily uh, aren't in sex ed class. Yeah, I think one thing too is instead of, you know, porn being this outlet that you look to when you're, you know, I don't know how old you're supposed to be, 14, 16, when you're, whatever. 
there could be, you know, maybe there's educational content online. There is, but maybe that people be directed to that instead of teachers having to actually do it in class because they're not trained and they're, it's awkward for them. Maybe they say, you know, look into these, these sites that can kind of teach you things and can, you know, can kind of get you educated about that. That would be something that would make a lot of sense to me. Do, do you have any um, off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, the Call Her Daddy, a lot of people know that one that's a classic one it's a podcast it's a classic one <laughs> no i was like i was just gonna google that quickly <laughs> uh yeah for my generation it would be like everyone knows it <laughs> it's called call her daddy call her daddy yes all right <laughs> i got some work to do yeah uh there's sex i never with... felt old until just this second <laughs> uh there's sex with emily she's i think like a therapist like she's a lot more like they're raunchy and like, it's like, ha ha ha, we're raunchy. And she's a little bit more educational. You and I talked a week ago and you mentioned sex with Emily. And I was like, Mark, have you heard of sex with Emily? And he hadn't. And I went to the website and I was like, oh, this is really good. She's got a lot of interesting resources and a podcast. And I started listening to it. So. And she leans on research. eh? Thank God for the woke 21 year olds. Um, Sorry, interrupted. Yeah. Sex with Emily. Yeah. And then I actually realized, uh, which is, I think rare a lot of the time that, most of the sources that I was in the platforms were kind of mostly focusing on women. And that's, that's great. I think women need a lot of education or probably want a lot of education around that topic. But I kind of thought that a male centric view being a guy would be kind of interesting or different. And one guy I eventually found was Kenneth play is what he calls himself a sex hacker. I don't know. He likes to say the GQ called him like the sex hacker of the year or whatever. Just air quoted that. So, uh, (laughs) Was a sex hacker? Yeah, I air quoted that because I think it's uh, he made it up. He made up that oh, okay. kind of name name for himself. Okay, but I guess someone who has these, I guess, hacks. Although I don't think it's a hack. I think it's just literally like a technique, maybe. Right. And then strategies, you know, foreplay, sexual strategies, whatever. Like get in the zone, whatever. He has a bunch of different kind of things like that. And him being a man obviously has like the male centric view of the sexual experience it's interesting what you're just saying here is that the a lot of the sites you're referring to are, are targeted to women but porn is targeted to men like even though there are cons- female consumers yeah, mm-hmm. or other gendered consumers largely the market is male but for sex positivity stuff it's all it were mostly what we're talking about here anyways is it's mostly aimed at women now what's that about i think part of it is that it goes back to men have a hard time accepting that they're not good at sex. You know, I think someone at work the other day kind of joked about you're not good at sex or is it like, you probably aren't even good at sex. And I was like, yeah, I probably, I'm probably not, you know, that's why I'm, I'm here to learn about it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that most people think will offend men because they're almost like supposed to this macho attitude. They should know exactly what they're doing. And that, that's the other reason that they go into the bedroom and it's just like, you know, I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to ask anything because I can just do it myself. I know exactly what I'm doing and being able to, to go back and like realize no, I don't. And like, I actually want to learn and I want to like listen and, and realize what I should be doing. And it's not broadly, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, it's not broadly applied. Like he is good at sex. It's like he and her or he and the other person are good together or that is working for the two of them. Like, is, is there a toolbox that like men show up with that they say, okay, no but i think like this whole like confidence piece like everybody it's like Mm. fake it till you make it right so i I think that makes perfect sense what angus is saying is like they're not you know you're not taught when you're young to be like hey do you like that because you're just going to assume hey i know what i'm doing so clearly you probably like this you know assuming it's still consensual but but i think to have that humility to ask questions is something that takes time and maturity to develop and like sex like 
any skill is like a lifelong process, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can always learn and grow. And of course, like, yeah, we all want to think that we're really good at it, but yeah, I like what you were saying. Did everybody hear that silence? <laughs> I liked what you said about how how good you are, you are at sex is dependable upon how you're with that person, right? Because that that's a really good point. Because chemistry and sexual chemistry is super important. You might with that this one person find something she really likes or he really likes, and that just like it works and wow, it's wonderful. But as we know, that's not going to translate directly to the next person. Yeah. And that sexual chemistry is not like going to be like, oh, I was had great sex with this person. I'm instantly going to have great sex with you. That's not not how it works. This comes down to communication, Karen. It does. This is an inside joke that every episode is about communication. It's a podcast about communication. communication. It's not about dating. <laughs> it's not about dating. It's about <laughs> communicating, asking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, forward consent. Mm-hmm. Have you, is, that a, is that a term that you would use? Forward Cons- consent. consent, definitely. Forward consent, I do not know what that means. Oh, okay. So I don't either. I mean, it's sort of like enthusiastic consent. You're oh, yeah, enthusiastic. checking in. Right. But not all, just like, do you want to have sex, but do you like this? Do you want to try correct. this? Like, how do you feel now? It's, that's right. That, that you're constantly checking in. It's ongoing consent. And it's, it's enthusiastic. It's forward. It's like, it's not implied. It's yeah. clearly stated routinely throughout the night. And there's nothing more hot about that than, than sex where you're like, you like that. And, and that's what's something I think is cool with like the younger generation is that like, that was never a conversation when I was in school. Right. And now that's when I think back, I'm like, Oh, I probably had a lot of uh, encounters that were not fully consensual. Um, like, from the other person onto me. So anyway, if I had had that knowledge and tools ne- like then, I would have made different choices. Yeah, do you think there's a cultural shift there? So so I'm 50, mm-hmm. and so I graduated high school in 1989. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a long time ago, and life's way different now. I mean, sexual... I, I, I was a therapist for a long time, so my sexual understanding around what's you know normal is based in research but not experience because I can only be 21 once. So do you think that there's a change in the in the culture around consent, forward and ongoing and enthusiastic consent? Well, I think that the Me Too movement definitely got consent into like the forefront of people's brains and that probably was, you know, adults and teachers and then they were thinking about it and it was a topic and then I'm sure it kind of rubbed off onto kids. I don't know if it's like your kids or youth, teenagers, whatever. I don't know if it's them themselves saying like a revolution, like we're going to start making consent like our thing. I don't know about that, but I think it was more like it just became a thing that was talked about so much that teenagers and young adults just ended up adopting that and I guess making it their cause. Wouldn't that be awesome if like the counterculture was to be like, screw you Xers, we're doing consent. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's an act of rebellion. I think they are. I think that's great. the, The good ones anyway. Yeah. That'd be, that's awesome. I think that idea of consent, I love the conversation. I think it's super important. And I'm really glad that there's, there's, some, there's even some conversation around it. That, feels, that actually feels really good. Yeah, I think a lot of people you know, say consent is sexy and people like roll their eyes like, no, it's not. And you know, it's like the you know, sign here is not sexy or like, you know, do you want to have sex with me like in a robotic voice is not sexy, but it can be sexy. It Unless can be. you're into robots. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We don't want to get any letters. Cosplay. From the, that's right. Yeah, we don't co- want any letters from those from yeah. folks that like robots. Sure, if that's your thing, yes. yes but that's right. Yeah, you know, as you were saying, you know, you like that, like stuff like that. It can it can obviously be sexy and can be implemented without having it to be awkward because that's always, the, that's the biggest worry that everyone has about sex. It's already an awkward topic and making it even more awkward, that's, that's a faux pas for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Folks enter, can enter university at around 17, 18, right? 
Yep. So you think, what do you think about that in terms of post-secondary? So we know we've had a good conversation about high school, but what do you think about the culture of post-secondary in this topic? Well, I think university is a lot more, I think, dangerous a lot of the time for, for women. Uh, you know, parties, frat parties. Yeah, university can be a pretty dangerous place. And especially like, you know, there's all these people around. You're getting some people really have this sexual revolution because it's like they have all these great looking people around. They just want to have all the sex and they don't have their parents to judge them or they have, they have their own place, whatever. Right. And then diving into that without any sort of uh, previous knowledge, that's that just can be like cultural shock, culture shock. Yeah, that's what, that was my experience. So nothing's changed. And I'm like flashbacking back yeah. to <laughs> university, totally. the early days. Yeah. One of the other things you mentioned you wanted to talk about was uh, shame and guilt with regards to sex. Can you just tell me a little bit about what you meant by that? Yeah, for sure. I think that sex being viewed as this taboo thing ends up creating like terrible feelings. And uh, again, there's another thing that affects women more than men uh, to- towards sex, right? And I think that sheltering People, whether it's, you know, you know, the kids who in high school from, you know, grade seven to grade 10 were super sheltered, helicopter parents, and then come grade 11, come grade 12, they just start, you know, drinking all the time and doing drugs and this. It's the same thing with sex. You know, it's these cult, these um, cults or societies that uh, regulate women's bodies or tell them what, how they should act ends up creating this, like they get out of, you know, Mormonism or this whatever cult and it just becomes like, craziness right and that's when you get into kind of dangerous situations because your whole life you've been kind of had this shame feeling and it's been it's been kind of taught to you to have this guilt and shame towards sex and then once you realize that sex isn't something that you be shameful of it's you know it's it's a great thing but it takes a long time because every time you have sex you know you're you're shameful and it feels dirty to you but sex shouldn't feel dirty is that something you've had a personal experience with or you or you know others who have Personally, no. My my family was, I think, sex positive. Not overtly, but they weren't, you know, sex negative, that's for sure. Uh, and in school, I think I was always, it was fine. But I've definitely seen that. I've, I've seen the uh, people who have those guilt feelings towards sex, shame feeling towards sex, which is, you, you, you can tell. And I've probably had sex with people like that. And you can kind of, you know, the lights go off and they're covering themselves and that kind of thing. And it's just... They don't want to be like seen doing that almost, which is a kind of uncomfortable thing to be a part of, I guess. And yeah. you kind of feel bad almost. I know. I know some people like, like my age who were like, oh my God, I'm still dealing with like Catholic guilt about mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I mean, it's certainly a thing. Yeah. The, the Catholic guilt, that's a good point. Yeah. That, you know, premarital sex is viewed through this lens of like bad sinning and then you do it and it's every time you do it, you feel like, you know, God is like spiting you, smiting you it's just, you know, with his wand or whatever, which is a pretty bad feeling to have. I think when sex should be something that you do and you feel great about and you're happy that you did it. And you know, the only like shame you should feel about sex is post not clarity. <laughs> what? <laughs> post what? It, oh, is, is post, that post not clarity? Yes. Post not clarity. There'll be a, there's about 50% of our, po- our listening population who will know what he means. And, okay. Yeah. Or oh, is this an educational talking point yeah. here? It is. Yeah. Post not clarity. <laughs> so post not clarity, uh, I don't know the medical definition, but it's after men have sex or not rather, mm. they just kind of feel like a, yeah, I guess like sometimes blue, de- de- depressed down a little bit. Sometimes like, I guess, Shame. I don't really. How post, would you post orgasm. Should I look this up? Well, yeah, I might have to Urban Dictionary this. I'm sorry. I guess we gotta. Yeah. <laughs> the immediate clear-mindedness or soberness an individual gains after orgasming. Yeah. I think it's different for men and for women. 
I, I didn't know women. I had, wouldn't know. Yeah. I, I mean, know this that. is your opportunity to just not clarity <laughs> mean to you. Maybe we'll just let that one go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Angus, for um, learning Mark and I today. Yeah. That was uh, super good to talk with you and... Hopefully we'll bring some younger listeners into Frisky too. Yeah, yeah spread yeah. it around. Tell you? your friends, bring yeah. them on. You're welcome. I could spread the word. It was my pleasure to talk. This episode was recorded in and around Whitehorse Yukon. Sometimes we use the podcast studio at Uconstruct. And sometimes I record in my closet. Our music is by Anthony Vega, Sexy Time. Thanks for listening in. We would love to hear from you with story ideas or feedback. Get in touch through Facebook, the Twitter, or email us at friskynorthof60 at gmail.com. That's friskynorthof with the number 60 at gmail.com. We'd also love to get a rating, preferably four stars or above, from whatever podcast app you are using. Thanks very much, everybody. Stay frisky. Stay frisky. Stay frisky.